You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians. If you don't know where that is, start on the right and hang a left. And if you get to the Gospels, you've gone too far. Uh, But we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 7 this morning. And before I uh, jump in uh, to the text, uh, I'm going to just tell you right up front, we're going to talk about singleness today. Okay, um, so if those of you who are married, that doesn't mean that you can take a nap because the weekend's already been long and you got a whole other day to go for the long weekend. Uh, this message is for you because we're opening God's word and we open God's word, God has something to say and we wanna listen to what God has to say and God's word has specific things to say about singleness and it affects singles and marrieds, all right? Now, I know there are going to be people who are here uh, who are singles in different, different walks of life. And I also know that, uh, that singleness in our culture, and what I mean by that is the church culture, it can often be viewed kind of weird. I mean, if you think about it, if, if Paul was here today preaching, or if he was the senior pastor of our church, many would kind of be like, well, why is he single? Like, is he just, is he like one of those like really picky guys? Like he doesn't, can't find somebody because his standard's too high or, or maybe, oh, maybe he, maybe he struggles with same sex attraction. Maybe that's why he's single and he's just devoted to the Lord. That's really great that he's doing that. Well, maybe there's another reason because those, those thoughts really are more worldly than they are biblical because God's word clearly calls and Paul actually calls on believers who are single to remain single as we're gonna read about. And I know that as I go to preach this message that it may be weird because I've been married for 20 years and so the singles of you who are here are like, what do you have to say uh, to singles? But I have God's word to open and we're we're gonna do that. And I know many of you who are single who are here, you're here because you're 13 and you can't be married yet. And, but you are single for the Lord. And some of you are, are here, you're single uh, because you're looking for somebody. You're in college, you're just like, ah, I can't wait to find somebody. And some of you are here single because you, you wanna be. You're really intentionally single. But I wanna be most sensitive to those of you who are here who are single not by your choice. Maybe you have laid your spouse in the arms of Jesus because they've gone home to be with the Lord. Maybe you've experienced a very painful and terrible divorce and you find yourself single unexpectedly or have for years and it's been extremely hard. As I share this morning, I in no way want to take that lightly, but God has some good news for you that you can be fruitful using your singleness. So let's dive into the word of God. Uh, Open up. God's word, chapter seven, verse six. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good 
for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. The first point this morning is I will view my situation as a gift because marriage and singleness are both good. I know I just said that we're going to talk about singleness and the word marriage is in there. And so you're like, hey, wait a minute. You said you were talking about singleness. Well, we know marriage is good because Paul says it's, it's, it's good to get married. We know in the book of Proverbs, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Marriage is a good thing. Amen, said the husband who's sitting in the front. And it should be amen. I'm surprised there weren't more amens. But I mean, here's the reality. In our church, we have a senior pastor and his wife who travel around the country and teach on marriage. Because in our church, we Marriage is a big deal. We want to make sure we have strong marriages and we want to put forward the biblical view of, of marriage, how God designed marriage to be, and we want to fight for that in our culture. Unfortunately, the unintended consequence of, of doing that can kind of make singles feel like they're second-class citizens. But friends, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that singles in our church are not, are not going to be second-class citizens. You aren't broken because you're single. It's a season of life that God's called you to. And each has his own gift, as it says here in verse 7, but each has his own gift from God. You have a gift to be single. Now, I know when I was in college, a bunch of us guys, we got gathered together for a Bible study. I don't even know how fruitful it was, or we may have even been heretical in that Bible study. I don't know. (laughs) But we talked often about, do you have the gift? The gift to be single, of course. That's what I'm talking about. And we used, we would say the word gift with a, it sounded different, with a different intonation. Do you have the gift? And we always all wondered, like, we have the gift. Like, there's some special gift that someone's been given. We don't know where it is. Some of us have it. We don't know if we have it, but we want to know if we have it. And it was just kind of all this, that was the wrong way to think about it. If you're here and you're single, I don't know if you're going to be single for 10 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. I, I don't know. I do know this that God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is available to you in this season of your life. And it is for you married folk as well. Hold on to that promise. So so know that's true. Because both marriage and singleness are good. And, and oftentimes we, we, we don't immediately, that doesn't like resonate with us because we start with in Genesis. If we look at Genesis 1, we read, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. 
So singles right out of the gate in chapter one, you're like, oh, I gotta get married so I can go and be fruitful and multiply. I can't obey the scriptures if I don't go and get married. And oftentimes in the, in the scriptures, we, we kind of see in the Old Testament that it's, it's, it's tough to be barren and it's tough to, uh, for a single woman in particular to, to not be married and we can be tempted. We can go, oh, I don't wanna be in that situation. That's a bad thing. Well, let's look at another passage of scripture in Isaiah 53. This is talking about someone that I think many of you know in this room. It says, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It's talking about Jesus. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper his hand. So Jesus, right? Single or married? Single. Look at that fourth line. He shall see his offspring. Friends, biological offspring aren't the only offspring that we have. We can have spiritual children. That's who Timothy was to Paul. So we see in the Old Testament talking about having offspring, but clearly for a single. Let's look at Matthew 19. The, the disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs, so these are the people who are called not eunuchs not to be married. And there are eunuchs who have, been, have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive it, receive it. So there's, there's a calling, a progression in, in scripture for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. It is good to be single. And there's a reality, friends. You're gonna be single most of your life, most of your full life, temporary and definitely eternal. Look at the next passage, Matthew twenty-two thirty. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Friends, if you are married in this life, if, to, if this is today and that is eternity, um, you're gonna be married this much. The fact of the matter is, in light of eternity, all of us are gonna be single a whole lot more than we are gonna be married. And that's true. David Platt said, marriage here is a shadow, a temporary shadow of an eternal reality to come. Marriage here is intended to point to an eternal marriage to Christ, but marriage here is temporary for all of us. Temporary. Even 60 years of marriage is temporary, a mist. Eternal marriage is to Christ. Friends, though, though biblically marriage is the norm, singleness is exceptional. Here's a who's who list of, of singles in the Bible. Jesus. Probably don't need to go on. <laughs> but for the sake of being faithful, John the Baptist. Paul, 
Silas, Luke, he wrote a few things that we read. Titus, Philip's four unmarried daughters. Friends, singleness is exceptional. And both marriage and singleness display the gospel. Now, we've heard messages. Certainly, we heard a couple around Easter time in our church on marriage. Uh, Pastor Trent spoke to, to husbands and to wives, and we know that, that marriage displays Christ's sacrificial love for the church as husbands lay down their lives for their, their wives, and, and it displays Christ's love for the church, and also as wives submit to their husbands, we know that marriage displays the the church's submission to Christ. That's that's what marriage is supposed to be, that picture of the eternal union of Christ and his church and how we're supposed to respond to Christ. So we've all heard many messages on that, and because we've heard so many messages on that, we, we often fail to see the significance of singleness and how it displays the gospel. Singleness displays that every Christian's identity is ultimately in Christ alone. Yes, singles, every single who's here, young, middle-aged, and a little older, your life displays that our identity is in Christ alone. The world says you need someone to complete you. Pick your most unfavorite Disney movie and you will find some guy and some girl trying to, you know, hook up and googly eyes and all that and we we need to have somebody. The Bible says I am complete when I am found in Christ. Friends, uh, my wife, Angie, has a sister. Her name's Melissa. She was married for 10 or 12 years when her husband walked away from Christ. And then seven years later, he walked away from their marriage. They have three kids. And that was overwhelmingly hard for her, for her family, certainly for the kids. Every day for probably a year, the process of getting out of bed was falling on the floor and trying to get up. But God met her. And over the last number of years, God has worked in her heart and shown her these truths and made made her fresh and anew even and a great delight has come over her soul and a passion for Jesus like I've never seen. I knew her for four years before Angie and I were married. And she told me last night we went on a walk around our neighborhood uh, because they're visiting for the weekend and she said, you know what, Jamie? There's this guy that's been pursuing me kind of and I'm not sure what to do with him but I kind of don't want to deal with it. He's a godly guy and and everything she said, but you know what? I, I've never loved Jesus more. I've, I've never been so undistracted from my Savior. I've never had, had this sweetness of fellowship with him. I don't want to give that up. And, and if Melissa were here, she'd tell you she was the gal in college that like was always like on the lookout. She definitely didn't have the gift. <laughs> 
I share her story with you because you need to know if you've walked through that trial, there's hope, and you need to know that satisfaction is in Christ alone, and, and your singleness displays that. Another reality is your singleness displays that every Christian is eternally identified with the church. Friends, our, our relationships with each other are more permanent than, than possibly marriage relationships. Certainly, we, are, we, we don't enter into heaven married, so we're gonna have this closeness. I don't know exactly know how that's gonna work, but, but, but that's what it says, and that's what's gonna happen. If you're married to an unbelieving spouse, sadly, that relationship will end. But our relationships will continue because we aren't, we aren't in going into heaven married or given in marriage. Our marriage and family relationships are temporary. Only relationships bonded by the blood of Jesus are forever. So let your singleness, which will be the norm in the new creation, let your singleness display that reality. But I, I wanna get really practical. I, I know... You know, each is given his own gift. It, it, Paul goes on. We're not going to read all of, all of these, these verses. But in verse 17, Paul says, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him to which he's been called. Let each, each one remain in the condition in which he was called. And whatever, verse 24, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. So staying in that place as a single if there's a call to stay in that place, marrieds, we, we need to honor that. We need to respond to that truth and encourage that and exhort that. So here are some really practical ways, five practical ways that married couples can value the goodness of singleness, okay? Number one, get to know singles as people, not as marriage projects. That almost goes without the need for explanation. You all know what you're talking about. You know, pray for them if they want a spouse, but don't assume like that's the only thing you should ever pray for singles. It's like married couples have needs, singles need to be prayed for to get married. Like don't go inviting him and her over and then mysteriously forgetting to invite everybody else over just so they can get to know each other. We need, to, we need to stop that in the church. We laugh about it, but we, 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 we shouldn't be being Christian matchmakers because of what it says in the text. If they're called to remain, then, then why are we trying to get them out of that place that, that the, the scriptures call them to remain for this season that God gives them grace for? Now, I'm not saying that, like, you should never introduce somebody. Don't don't take it to an extreme, but uh, frankly, folks, I I've seen it too many times over the 20 years of my Christian life. That, that, that's like the goal. We have singles over so that we can, we can have them meet. This is what one single told me from our church. He's, he's in our church, okay? I've had over 100 attempts of people trying to set me up. And I know he's not exaggerating. 
but I can count the number of people on one hand who have gone out of their way to tell me they are praying for God's best as it concerns my marital status. What would happen if a hundred people prayed for God's best? What would happen? Here's the second one. Seek to understand the unique struggles singles face. They face loneliness. They faced longing. Friends, like, don't be in small group and the single shares, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with loneliness. Don't go, oh, you know, Jesus was single. You'll be fine. You know, just, you're married to Jesus. You'll be good. Don't go, oh, oh you know what? This is what happened to me when, when, when I finally got content and I was good being just single, then, then God brought Mr. Bubba in my life for me to marry and it's been awesome. So when you get content, you'll be, you'll, then God will bring somebody. Cut that out. They're real people who have real problems that God's word needs to speak to. Speak into, number three, speak into their lives more than you speak about their singleness. Friends, singles are first defined by the fact that the blood of Jesus covers them, not by the fact that they are single. And singles in this church need to help you with your marriage, okay? When I was in Chicagoland, we had, we had a friend. Uh, she goes by Miss Jill to my kids. She comes to our house. We love hanging out with her. Miss Jill is in the top five list of people who have helped me with my marriage. Why? Because Miss Jill has the word of God. And Miss Jill is one of those, like her dad was like a football coach like all her life. And she can tell you more stats about Tom Brady than she should be able to. <laughs> that said, she doesn't mess around. And she was not afraid to share her observations with me about our marriage and she helped me to grow because she was armed with the word of God. Singles can help you. And so invite them into your life as well as, as you speak to them, speak the truth to the, to the trials and problems that they face that we all face. Number four, uh, don't assume singles have endless amounts of free time. <laughs> Contrary to the opinion that singles have eight days in a week, 30 hours in a day, only need two hours of sleep a night. Don't assume they're always available. Please, please don't call them at five on Valentine's Day and say, can you watch the kids? That really happened in our church, actually. So not, not somebody in our church that did it, but a single in our church did receive a phone call like at the last minute from, I think, cousin sibling, I think, maybe it was somebody in our church. Um, if it was, you know who you are, and I'm sorry. <laughs> they called and said, hey, um, our babysitter uh, fell through, and, um, and could you watch the kids? We knew you were available. <laughs> so, you know, if that happens, it, I mean, it's not that you can't call or single friends to ask for help. Like, when I've gone away, some of my kids' most fun times uh, when Angie and I have had to go to a conference or something or having a single come stay at our house for two or three days because they have a great fun time. But 
let's just not assume they have all this time in the world. Uh, Number five, include them in your family time. Sometimes we can hold up family time as like this untouchable thing, as if it's like in, you know, a chapter in the Bible that family time must happen and never should we ever, ever invite anybody else, certainly not singles because they wouldn't understand us because we're married and we have kids and they don't understand what that is. I mean, that, we, we shouldn't do that. Now, yes, in my life, I have a crazy busy life. There's time where I need to set aside time where I need to be with my kids because they need FaceTime with me, not the thing on your phone, like this thing, FaceTime. <laughs> they need that. But include singles into that in your life, in, in family times, in movie nights, in, in, in game nights. Have uh, Hospitality is in the Bible. We, we need godly singles to be examples for our kids. Because when my kids look at me, they see old. That's it. We have a single guy in our church up, up in St. Joe that has more gray hair than me. He's like, I don't know, 10, 15 years older than I am. And they're like, I asked him, well, how, how old do you think he is? They're like, I mean, he's 30. Oh, so there you go, singles. It doesn't matter how old you get. My kids are going to think that you're 30 or under. But you need to be the example for the young folks who, who need an example. They, they don't know what a single man looks like in my home because I'm married to my wife. I disciple them, but they need to see that. And, and along with that, be wise and not weird. Certainly, I'm, I'm not gonna invite a single to come over and hang out with me and the kids when Angie's not home. But Angie doesn't need to wait to invite the single woman over to our house until I'm gone. I have a friend who's, who's divorced that has told me, she's like, yeah, it's pretty commonplace that I have my friends um, you know, in the church that are married that will invite me over like the night that their husband's traveling or when you know, he's gone as, as if I'm gonna like try to steal their husband or something. And she's like, so that said, be wise, not weird, okay? There's ways, practical. I know that was extremely practical stuff. Jump back into the word. Let's read uh, verse 26, chapter seven, verse 26. I think that in view of the, the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. So our, our second point is, I will pursue contentment by having an eternal perspective. Let's see where we find that. So we want to, it's good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles and I would spare you that. This is what it means, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Now, he's, he's not saying don't love your wife as Christ loved the church. Certainly, we need to do that as marrieds. He's saying we need to live with an eternal perspective because this present day is going to be passing away. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as those who had no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away. 
Paul is saying, throw it off and do something for Jesus. Give everything for the cause of Christ. He is coming back. So it doesn't matter if you're married or single, stay like that because Jesus is coming back and there's work to get done. We couldn't have planted the campus in St. Joe without singles. There's no way. We can't plant the campus in Elkhart without singles. We can't see the gospel go to the ends of the earth without singles. Margaret Clarkson, a single missionary in her 60s, said this, multitudes of single Christians of every age and circumstance have proved God's sufficiency in singleness. He has promised to meet our needs and he honors his word. If we seek fulfillment in him, we shall find it. It may not be easy, but whoever said the Christian life is easy. The badge of Christ's discipleship was a cross and she struggled. She honestly wrestled, why must I live my life alone? I do not know. But Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and I believe in the sovereignty of God and I accept my singleness from his hand. He could have ordered my life otherwise, but he has not chosen to do so. As his child, I trust his love and wisdom. There's a need to trust and have contentment. Often the cause of discontentment isn't looking at what's in front of us. It's like looking over the fence. Because the grass is greener, you know, over there. They got a sprinkler system and fertilizer. It looks really nice over there. We should go over there. And singles, we can, you, you can be tempted to believe that. Like marriage is the most wonderful thing and it's just like the, the ground here is so hard and like the rain doesn't even get in the soil here. But over there, it's lush and green. I should go over there. And so that's why I need to get married. So there are lives, lies that singles believe about marriage. Let me share a few of them with you. Three lies singles believe about marriage. Marriage will fix all my problems. Any married people here today that their problems are all fixed? Because I want to get to know you. We laugh, seriously. Are there any married, singles, look around the room. Are there any marrieds here who your problems are all fixed? They aren't. Marriage does not fix your problems. Oh, yeah, look there. Everybody, uh, verse 28. Everybody, got your Bibles? Look down in your Bibles, in your Bibles, verse 28. Halfway through, there's a sentence that starts with yet. And it says, yet, those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Second one, marriage is easier than singleness. Well, if marriage is easier than singleness, what in the world is worldly troubles? I mean, this is what worldly troubles are. Marriage is work. It's a lot of work. I remember the first week I was married, I'd been a Christian for about four years and I couldn't get a rhythm in my devotion time or anything for like at least the first week. It might've been like the first month I was like disoriented because there was like this other person in the house and they 
put the toilet paper the wrong way on the roll and stuff. I've been married for 20 years by God's grace. But for the first seven, my wife, when I got home from work, encountered a man who did only criticize her. Came home and said, this isn't done, that's not done. Our marriage was to the place where my wife didn't bring any thoughts to me of correction. Didn't even imagine to bring a thought to me of correction. That was the state of our marriage for seven years. And God was so merciful when I was at pastor school to, to uh, bring some friends in my life that confronted me and God used some circumstances and I'd love to tell you the whole story sometime, but he broke me and showed me that I, I was just as much in need of Christ on that day and today as I needed him the day I got saved. And there was a process of growing and now we have an awesome marriage. I love it. There are good years, there are hard years, but I love being married. But for seven years, it was hard. So singles don't ever, ever, ever believe the lie that it is bliss. It is work. It's a good work. It's a work that I'm called to. I didn't have the gift. My wife told me when we were single and dating and I thought I had the gift and wondered if we should take a summer apart and she said, look, bub, <laughs> if you're not called to me, you're, you're gonna be called to marry to someone. You do not have the gift. So it's good to be married, but don't believe the lie that you have to be married. Three, marriage will bring me happiness. Because marriage means I will never be lonely. Because there's always someone there. My spouse will meet all of my needs. Friends, we do biblical soul care for marriages because uh, married people are lonely. If you didn't know. They, 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 they don't connect because you, you're taking two lives and you're putting them at one. It sounds wonderful like on the wedding day when everyone's like all fired up and there's gonna be lots of great food. Oh, it's, they can become one flesh and it's wonderful and it's just, oh, can't, we gotta do that. You need to, if you're single, you need to sit down with the married couples in, in this church and you say, what was it really like? Tell me. I'm not leaving until you tell me. Like it's hard, it's good, but it's not what, it's not all this peacefulness that you, th you think that it is. When the grass seems greener on the other side, typically we need to just water this side. Put some fertilizer, and doing that is gonna be delighting yourself in Jesus. Now, I do wanna have a little disclaimer to uh, the single men in our church, okay? As, I, as I'm talking about staying single, okay? Um, unless you are called to be single, and you're firm in knowing that. You need to be pursuing the ladies in our church. I'm not kidding. Singleness is clearly something that singles are called to from Scripture to be used of the Lord. But if you aren't using your life to serve the Lord, one, you need to repent right now and serve the Lord. And if you discern in that process, yeah, I'm called to be married because that's what God's called me to do, well, then you need to pursue the ladies in the church, okay? In a healthy, godly way. This is not an opportunity for you to extend your adolescence. Stop working on the truck. Stop playing video games. 
Use your singleness for the glory of God. And if you tell me, yes, you know what? I'm doing this and this and this. I want to serve the Lord. I want to pray. I want to press into him more. I want to pray for hours a day. I want to know God's word. I want to go on the mission field. Okay, okay, okay. Be single. But if that's not your, the case, friend, do, do we get it? I don't need to say anymore. We understand what I'm trying to say? Disclaimer, it's done. David Platt said, God has clearly not designed singleness to prolong adolescence into our 20s and 30s. He has not designed singleness for more video games and wandering aimlessly through life. He's designed singleness for a reason. And that's undistracted devotion. Undistracted devotion, that's our third point. I have the benefit of undistracted de devotion. Verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. Friends, we are starting a singles ministry. This Friday night is gonna be the first meeting. We're not starting a singles ministry so that we can get all the singles married. That's not what it's for. It is not a singles meat market, okay? <laughs> it's not what it is. We are, we're going to have that ministry because a bunch of singles in our church said, you know what, I want to be fully devoted to the Lord and, and I want to envision other singles to be fully devoted to the Lord. That's what we want to do. How, how can we do that? So we're like, oh, I just I start a ministry. I'm like, yeah, we're for that. Let's go for it. And that's what we're going to do as a church. That's what I'm going to exhort folks in St. Joe to do who are single to be fully devoted to the Lord. How can they more fully serve? How can they give their time? How can they not waste their time because Jesus is coming back? We're free. This would be free from anxieties, concerned about the things of the Lord. Married people are, should be devoted to the Lord, but it's true. Being married, we, we, have, we have responsibilities to love our spouses and be godly in those relationships and, and it's fruitful. But when we are doing that, we aren't just focusing on the Lord. We do honor the Lord in that. In America, we, we obviously you've seen uh, marriage is attacked in our nation and certainly people are being single longer than they were years ago for all kinds of reasons and marriage has been perverted to horrible forms of whatever. But the epidemic is not an epidemic of singleness. The epidemic is an epidemic of selfishness, friends, of loving ourselves rather than being devoted to the Lord as it says right here. Singles at harvest play a major role at fulfilling the mission that God has called us to. A single man in our church said this. He said, singleness isn't a curse. It's not a curse. It's God's blessing on a life for the glory of God and the benefit of his church. The effectiveness of a single's life is completely dependent on their ability to recognize singleness as a gift and yield to God's calling in it. God has already initiated his grace as a means to sustain the life of a single. It is most fruitful when lived out within a community of believers who affirm and support God's mission for them as a single. Whether for a season or a lifetime, God's design of singleness for some plays a major part in the way God accomplishes his will. Married couples, we need to embrace this. 
Singles, you need to embrace this. There is no question that Paul, Francis Asbury, Amy Carmichael, John Stott, and the list goes on and on and on, have done huge things in the hands of God for the sake of his kingdom. They did not, in spite, they, they did it, they did it not in spite of their singleness, but because of their singleness. Because they were single, they were able to do great things for God's kingdom. How can you maximize your singleness for God's kingdom? How can you do it? I believe if you sat down this afternoon for, for, for five minutes, you could do it. It probably will take you 30 because it'll take you that long to put your phone down. But God wants you to maximize your singleness. You can do that by first worshiping God. I will worship God and enjoy him. That's our second pillar here at the church. We're worshiping, lifting high the name of Jesus in worship. When we, when we worship, our, why do we love it around here when we worship together? Because our affections are directed toward God. We, we, we see about, about Jesus. We sang a song about Jesus. Then we sang a song about God, holy, 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 because it's because of Jesus that we can get before the throne of God. And when we get before the throne of God, you want more. And then you end up being like my sister-in-law. who's like, I don't want to lose this. So worship God and enjoy him. Two, I'll serve the bride of Christ. Look for needs. Look for needs as, as you're un, undistracted in your door. Don't wait to be asked. I would love it if, if, if they had to stop putting slides up for opportunity to serve because all the singles would, you know, are already be on it. But married couples, you need to serve too. Don't, don't think that it's just the singles that are serving. But look for ways to serve. Make disciples, spiritual children. Remember that from back early in, in the message? You are called to make disciples. You don't think that you're missing out on having kids. You're not. There's, there are a few things that are more exciting than seeing someone come to faith in Christ and then get to walk with them in the early years of their, of their walk with, with Christ, teaching them how to pray, teaching them about God's word. It's sweet. I will give myself to the mission. We're called to the Great Commission. We're called to share our faith boldly. Go on missions trips. Plan and, and set aside time, vacation time, to go on missions trips to take the gospel because you can Rena Taylor said this, a single woman serving as a missionary in Kenya said, being single has meant that I am free to take risks that I might not take were I a mother of a family dependent on me. Being single has given me freedom to move around the world without having to pack up a household first. And this freedom has brought to me moments that I would not trade for anything else this side of eternity. Spend yourself for the sake of Christ. Paul says in verse 35, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. 
as you're single, use God's gift of singleness to bring glory to his name. Young people, if you, you're in the teenage years, use God's gift of singleness to bring glory to the Lord. Don't be distracted by the guys and the girl thing. You have a season, you have a unique season. Teenagers, you have a unique season where you don't have as many responsibilities because you're living under your parents' roof. You have a unique season to pray more, to, to know God's word more, to give yourself to the things of the Lord more. Don't waste it in a pursuit of someone else. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to date somebody. Talk to your parents about that. That's for a discussion with them. But singles, devote yourself to the Lord. Now, it's normally my custom at the end of a message to pray. But what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna pray for the singles. And so singles, I'm not doing this to embarrass you, to call you out, to make you feel uncomfortable. What I want to do is I want you to feel the care and encouragement from this local church that loves you and is grateful for you because we know that you have the privilege to serve the Lord with undistracted devotion. So we're gonna pray these things. Don't move just yet, pop up. We're gonna pray the three points. We wanna pray that the singles worship God and enjoy him. We wanna pray that they serve in the bride of Christ and we wanna pray that they give themselves to the mission. So right now, singles, I want you to, I want you, actually, we're all gonna stand up. Let's all stand up, and, and as you stand up, singles, I want you to raise your hands high. I want you to raise your hands high, not like, I'm single, and you guys can see this. No, raise your hand up high, because we want to pray for you. Yeah. Okay, married, married folk, your hands better not be up. Singles, you got your hands up. I want, I want you to I want to gather around these people and you're going to pray. I, you're going to pray these points over them. Just ask them their name and you got the points to pray. You don't need it any more than that. And you just go. Let the Spirit lead you and we're going to encourage these singles. So gather around them. Singles, leave your hand up until you got at least one person praying for you. All right, break, go, pray. And then I'll close us in prayer in just a few minutes.
giving us your word. God, when the world speaks lies to us and distorts the view of how things were meant to be, you bring us clarity and comfort from your word. And we thank you, God, for doing that today. And I ask God that you would use the singles in our church, that you would use them to do great and mighty things. Things that are spoken about for generations. God, would you help us as, as married couples to live undistracted devotion to the Lord? Help us to live that way, God, even in, in our marriage relationship. And help us, Lord, to be an encouragement. God, may it never be said of our church that spirituality equals marriage. No, may it be said of our church that a strong Christian means that someone is found in Christ. And that's what they're first defined by. That's what they're first known by. Their relationship with Jesus and that we're all awaiting his return. We ask all this in Jesus' name.